We've, we're kicking off, I, I gave an introduction last week to this series from the book of Jonah. We're going to be working our way through the book of Jonah. It's a tiny little book. Um, if, you, if you've got a Bible with you today, but you're not sure where to find it, if you kind of split your Bible down the middle and then take a left, about four books, you'll find Jonah. It's very small. It's very short. Um, it's a story that uh, encapsulates a lot of principles that can be meaningful for us as believers, um, it, I think, has relevance to those who are still seeking, trying to figure out what a relationship with God looks like. And it contains one of those stories that even people who aren't believers have probably heard, right? That, that Jonah got swallowed by a whale or a great fish and was in the belly of that fish for three days. We're not going to get to that part of the story yet because we're literally working verse by verse through from the beginning of Jonah. And today we're starting at the beginning. And in some weeks, we may even go back and cover the same passage of Scripture, but understanding different themes and ideas that are in those passages of Scripture that God wants to speak to us about. So uh, this morning, I hope that there's a word for you. I think there is. There certainly was a word for me in this study, and uh, I invite you to come along with me. So if you want to turn in your Bibles, or if you've got you know, your digital outfit uh, that you're using, your iPad, your iPhone, your Google device. Um, you can go with me to the, the book of Jonah, chapter 1. And I'm actually using, uh, these are produced by uh, Lifeway, uh, actually Crossway, which is a division of Lifeway. Uh, these are little uh, scripture study journals, and I love these little, little guys because it has the, the passage right here. And then over here, it's got space to take notes right next to it. And so I'm going to use this for uh, this series because we're going verse by verse. I'm going to use that for my study uh, Bible. But you can go to lifeway.com and find these resources. They're about, I think they're $5 a piece, $6 a piece for each book of the Bible. And if you've got a particular book that you'd like to, to travel through, uh, you can do that as well. Uh, so let me just read the passage of Scripture that we're going to use this morning. And then we'll go back and we're going to dig into it a little bit. And I want to thank Rhonda uh, for being back there on our media this morning. Uh, we got a lot of people out of town traveling, doing the summer thing, uh, fishing, going out of state. We got some more folks leaving this week. That's summer in Alaska. Uh, God bless you. Enjoy those travels and, uh, and be safe. And then come home to us. Uh, and uh, you can stay up with us, hopefully, if everything, if all the technology works right, which was not a real sure bet this morning. Um, the podcast will be up uh, later this week. All right, so Jonah chapter 1, and in the ESV, which is the version that we use here, if you have an ESV Bible, you may see this in other uh, translations or paraphrases that you have. The header for this section of, of Scripture that we're going to use, part of it anyway, is Jonah flees the presence of the Lord. And so this is what it says. By the way, uh, if you weren't here with us last week, let me, let me say this. There are a lot of people that treat Jonah like a, a metaphor. It's just a, a made-up story with some good ideas in it. However, uh, there are a couple of places both in the Old Testament, the older parts of what we uh, take as the Bible today, that refer to Jonah as a historical figure. They don't refer to him in a figurative way. And then in the New Testament, Jesus himself refers to Jonah as a historical figure. Uh, we can see from other passages in the Bible that, that he lived and is referenced in the time of some other, uh, like uh, judges or kings of Israel, 
that we know existed. They were real people, and they're in, the, they're in the history. And they refer to Jonah during that same time period. And then Jesus refers to him as a historical figure. So as fantastical as it sounds for somebody to get swallowed by a great fish and then stay in the belly for three days, listen, my God's pretty big, and if this is how he wants to do it, I guess he can do it. And I believe that. All right, so here we are. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. So this is the text that we're going to deal with today, and there's some, some principles in here. And, and the first thing that I want to address is that very first sentence. It says, the word of the Lord came to Jonah. And I want to ask you the question, is, is especially you as a believer today, can the word of God still come to you as a believer today? I mean, if, if the, and listen, there are some people who, who number themselves as brothers and sisters of ours uh, who would say no to that question. In fact, they take the position that unless you read it in Scripture, it is not a word of God to you. Um, <laughs> as I get older, I'm getting less good at biting my tongue, so why don't we just go all in? Listen, there's a couple of guys out there, one of them is named Todd Friel. Another guy named, I think his name's Paul Johnson. They had a, a little video that was really popular here not too long ago. And they, uh, tried, they submarined and shot at uh, a woman named Beth Moore very heavily. And they took issue with her because she told a story of being in an airport. And there's a crowd of people around. And she believed that there was this man here that God had told her, I want you to go and talk to that man. That God spoke to her that way. And he wasn't particularly clean, and he didn't look particularly nice, and he'd been really grumpy to some other people, and she kept arguing with the Lord. She was doing a little bit of what Jonah does here. She said, I don't want to do that. She said, but God wouldn't let her go. And so she went, and as she was going, she said, now this is her story. She said she felt that God was telling her, I want you to brush his hair, because his hair was a mess. And she said emphatically, I am not doing that. And she argued with God all the way there. She got over and she began to speak to him and he began to tell her a little bit about his life and how he's, he was incapacitated. And, uh, and then she asked him about his hair and he said, man, my hair is such a mess, I can't get my arms up high enough to brush my own hair and until I can get home and I've been stuck here in the airport and flights have been canceled. And then she said, well, do you, if you have a brush, can I brush your hair? And then she sat there in the airport and brushed this man's hair for him and told him about the gospel. Now, I think that's a pretty beautiful story. I've had some events in my life where I've been sitting in crowds of people or I've been, uh, some that I think of specifically, I've been in bookstores. There was a time when I was heavily involved in dealing with people who were, who were admired and, and trapped by the occult and witchcraft and Satanism and I'd be in the bookstore and God would just like laser lead me to people that I needed to minister to. Um, so I understand that kind of experience. But there's that segment out there, and these two guys represent it pretty well, that looks at that and says, it can't happen. 
It never happens that way. That's not the voice of God. That's just you talking to yourself um, and thinking that you're doing something good, but you can't describe it to God because if it's not in the Bible and you don't read it in the words of the Bible, then it, it's not true. It's not real. Now, I know what they're speaking against, and it's a good caution, but taken too far like a lot of things, then it ends up in its own error, which is just because somebody says that God told them to do something doesn't mean they should do it or that you should believe that God told them what they should do or what you should do. And so if I answer the question, I say, does God still speak? Does the word of the Lord still come to his followers today? I think the emphatic answer is like we heard here from many. The answer is yes, absolutely. With this caution, whatever God asks you to do, whatever God directs you to do, and this is a way to test what someone else is telling you that God has told them to do, is even though he still speaks today, he will never speak or ask in a way that contradicts what he has said is true before. So, for instance, God won't come to you today and said, say that it's right for you to commit murder because he's already said that it's a sin to commit murder. He won't change what is true when he speaks to his followers today. And there's lots of arenas in Christian life today and Christian thought today and, and religious thought where we could probably poke at some of it and say, you know, this seems to be in direct conflict with principal truths that God has given us before. I'll throw one out there, prosperity gospel, the pursuit of riches, the idea that you, you deserve to be rich and God will bless you because you're his follower, because God's rich. Well, can I get a witness in here? Mm. <laughs> I'm messing something up, if that's true. But the scriptures tell us that uh, that's not what God intends for us. He just, he says that the, the greatest promise he makes us is that he will never leave us nor forsake us. And everything after that, the rain falls on the just and the unjust equally. Um, he even tells a story. He says, you'll look around and wonder why the godless seem to thrive and the children of God seem to struggle. He said, but you can't understand this because it, it's, it's influenced by free choice and how God gives that to us. So then my secondary question becomes, if we believe that God can still speak to us, if the word of the Lord can still come to us, I'll ask you two questions after that. Does he ever speak to you? Do you ever expect him to speak to you? I, I think there are definitely times I can identify that God is, is leading me, speaking to me. Um, how does he do that? Uh, sometimes it'll be through the word. That's, that's a valid thing. I'm not saying that what those guys were saying, that you should look in scripture for God to speak to you. Absolutely you should. Hopefully he's going to speak to you through this scripture today. So sometimes it's through reading his word and, and the Holy Spirit speaks to us and reveals to us truth that, uh, that we need to know through God's word. And in fact, I know especially uh, some of our older believers here, but some of our youngers who have spent time in the word, uh, I want you to just, uh, again, give me a witness here. I want you to raise your hand if you've ever read a passage of scripture that you've read a hundred times before and God showed you something new that you'd never seen before in that passage of scripture. Look around the room. Right? 
Um, that's a way that God speaks, and it's one thing that shows us that the, the Word of God, the Bible, is a living Word of God, that it continues to speak to us through the, the seasons and circumstances of our lives. And sometimes even passages that we, we had what we thought was intimate understanding, we still have that understanding, but then God opens it up even a little bit more and shows us more. So that's one way that God speaks to us. Uh, God speaks to me sometimes through my, my counterparts, my peers, uh, my pastoral uh, counterparts, the elders of the church, um, my wife, through my kids, through my family, other believers, that I, people that I know are seeking after and pursuing after the things of God. Sometimes God speaks to me through them. God will speak to me through circumstances, right? I want to go a direction, and this is a very intentional prayer that I've prayed a lot in my life. I'll go in a direction, and I'll, I'll say, God, please, please, if you don't want me to go this direction, if you don't want me to go through this door, Close it. Don't just close it. Lock it. Bar the door. Shut it down. Make it so that even if I want to, I can't kick through it with my own might because I want to go where you want me to go. So sometimes God can speak to us through circumstances. Uh, sometimes I, I really believe that just the presence of God will be near us. And we can sense and understand and with our spiritual ears hear what God is telling us. I also believe, I see the example in scripture, that God almost never speaks in a vacuum. By that I mean if God is moving about something in your heart, he's probably moving about that same thing in someone else's heart. And it might be about you, something that God wants to do with you, or it might be about something larger. I tell this to folks all the time. In fact, there's a, a gentleman here today. I won't point him out because I haven't seen him in a while, and I don't want him to be mad at me if I embarrass him. But um, he suggested to me here several weeks ago about a particular type of ministry or ministry emphasis we should have in the church. And he's right. And it's, a, it's a, a more intentional men's ministry type thing. But what was exciting to me about it was that he wasn't the only one who said that to me within the past two or three weeks of that conversation. And it was something that God was speaking to me about. That's when I started to get excited. Because listen, I can have 500 ideas about what we ought to do. But when God starts to plant it in other people, then I get excited. Because now I know God's trying to do something, not me trying to do something. And so God speaks to me that way. He speaks to you that way. And you have, you have to have spiritual ears and spiritual eyes to see it and to understand it. But the first thing you have to have is an expectation that God wants to speak to you. That the word of the Lord wants to come to you. So, quickly digging through uh, a, a few principles in here. The word of the Lord came to Jonah. The word there, the word word, the word of the Lord is the Hebrew word dabar, not like the road. D-A-B-A-R, dabar. And it means, I have a matter to discuss with you. God says there's a matter, there's a thing. There's an issue. There's something I want to speak to you about.
What if we had that attitude in our expectation? I mean, how crazy is that? How beautiful is that? That God himself looks to us, his children, his followers, believers, and says, you know, hey, hey, Dennis, I want to talk to you about something. One of the, one of the failures that, that I experience in my own life is when I, I think about prayer and, have, and talking to God. I do a lot of talking to God, but sometimes God wants to talk to me. Maybe, maybe if I wasn't talking so much, I could hear what he was saying sometimes. But I have to have that expectation that, that he wants to speak to me. And then I have to be in a place where I, I, I actually believe that, wow, wow, God has a matter that he wants to bring up with me and, and talk to me about, I should be open to hearing that. And so then this is what the word says to Jonah. This is the word that he got. Arise, go to Nineveh. And that's really where I want to focus. <coughs> Could you go get me a, like a lozenge or a piece of candy or something? Thank you, buddy. Arise. Beautiful. Of course, he, where'd you get this from? Oh. Would, you, would you like to come and help me open this now? Oh, no, this is perfect. I just need to get it out of the plastic. Between my allergies and the smoke and the cottonwood is popping out and my thyroid thing I've got going on, let me tell you. <sighs> was, that, was that Tom, the guy that I wasn't going to embarrass earlier? Yeah. I think it was. He only said that because I told him the same thing when he came in the door this morning hobbling on his poor foot. Arise. It's a word of action. Get up. Take action. We look at that Hebrew word, it, it means prepare. It's like, I picture it like this, like God saying, listen, get ready. I got something I want to talk to you about. You ever have that kind of conversation with a friend? Like they're excited about something. They, they call you on the phone and say, dude, I, I got to talk to you. I got something to tell you. It's that anticipation. And so first God says to Jonah, and I think he says to us when he wants to speak to us, hey, pay attention. Get ready. Listen. Don't be passive about this. Sit up straight. I'm about to tell you something. I'm about to speak to you about something. And in this specific case, God is going to call Jonah to action, to do something specific. It's not just information. Sometimes God can speak to us and impart knowledge that we need, wisdom that we need. It doesn't necessarily result in immediate action. It's not a specific thing we need to do, but in this case and in many cases, it is. Jonah, arise and go. Go to Nineveh. Move. Whatever place you're sitting in right now, 
I want you to be somewhere else. And I want you to go there. Another part of that meaning of that word in the Hebrew for go is to grow. To grow. To be changed. Comfort is the enemy of progress. A lot of times we don't move, we don't go, we don't challenge because we want to stay comfortable. I get it. I'm a creature of comfort. I, I don't won't debate that. However, there are lots of areas in my life where I, I crave change. I'm not afraid of it. But this is often what God calls us to whatever circumstance we're in. Because, see, there's this thing. We, we get fooled into this idea that if we, if we just don't move, if we don't accept change or we don't pursue change, that everything can just stay the same. And friends, there's no such thing in any part of life of staying the same. You're either growing Going, advancing, increasing, changing, or you're decaying. There is no in-between. As we look towards the fall for Christ Community Church, I don't know, I have the sense there's changes on the, on the horizon because there's always change, right? But what's that going to look like? What's that going to look like uh, ministerial and, and ministry-wise? Are we going to have a men's ministry of some kind that's different than what we've been doing, which isn't much? Uh, God bless those guys that do the, the breakfast throughout uh, the winter months. That's really been the primary thing that's been happening where, where guys can get together and hang out, but need something a little bit more maybe. What's it going to look like financially? I don't know. Um, what's it going to look like positionally in the community? I don't know. But I can guarantee you, if we sit here today and do nothing, that does not mean that four months from now it will be exactly the same. It will change. The same is true for your life, your life in Christ. It will not stay the same. You will either grow and advance and increase, or you'll decay. But nothing stays the same. So arise, go to, toward a direction that God has set. It, it might be a destination, but the older I've gotten, the more I'm, I've come to understand and I'm convinced that the Christian life is not destination-oriented. There are, there are stops along the way. But until we reach our heavenly place, there is no destination here on earth. We've never arrived. Even the Apostle Paul talks about it. He says... Uh, Right before he's dying, he says, I've run the race. I finished well. 
<laughs> right? But right up until that point, man, I'm hoofing it. I'm going after it. Because this life with Christ is a journey. It's a trip. <laughs> it's a trip. Not a destination. But there might be the next place that you're supposed to go. And the, the picture of this is actually given to us in Psalms where it says, Thy word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. The picture there is, it's kind of hard to picture right now in Alaska because we have 24 hours of daylight. But pretend like it gets dark outside. And you're out in the wilderness, you're out in the woods, you're walking along a wooden path. And you just have a lamp. Not one of today's super, you know, 50,000 candle power LED flashlight things that you can see for a mile and a half. Because they didn't have that, obviously. Just a little fuel-fired lamp of some kind. And it puts out light for a distance. And then it just trails off back into darkness. This is how the Bible describes our walk with the Lord. He said, he may not let us see all the destinations down the way, but he'll light our path before us to the next destination, and then we get there and he'll speak to us some more, and then he'll light our path some more to the next destination after that. That used to really bother me. And in fact, God uh, beat me up pretty good about that a number of times. Because I think there was a time in my life where God did show me things further out. And then I would mess them up because I'd try to skip everything in between where I was now and where he was going to take me. And mostly this was in ministry. And I'd push things too soon. I'd make plans too soon and it would all just fall apart. And I had to be one who, who began to trust that whatever was happening today, it might give me a sense about what's going to happen six months from now, a year from now, three years from now. But don't be in a hurry because I still got to walk the path between here and there. And I can't make up all the steps between here and there. I have to follow his steps. And if I'm going to follow his steps, he's only going to show me about right out to there. And I can walk out there and then he'll show me right out about there. And we'll just keep going. So he tells him to go to Nineveh and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. <clears throat> so here's the question, fourth question I think we're at, right? Does the word of the Lord still come to people today? Does the word of the Lord ever come to you? Are you expecting the word of the Lord to come to you? And then this one, is there some place he's asking you to go? Is there a direction he's telling you to go? Is there something he's asking you, telling you to do? And what are you going to do about that? Because as we see in this story, I've been waiting all week to give this line. Jonah's got a big butt. It's right here, beginning of verse 3. Their evil has come up before me, but Jonah, he, did the, he, he arose, Jonah rose, hey, good job, wait, where are you going, dude? 
Because Jonah rose to flee from the presence of the Lord. Sort of a rhetorical question. Can we ever really flee the presence of the Lord? No. But we can sure make a mess of things in the process of trying to. And that's what Jonah does. In fact, it's so important, it says it twice in this verse, once at the beginning. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. I'm like, always like, man, how bad of a place is Tarshish that he thinks if I go there, God's not going to be around. So he went down to this place, he found a ship, he bought a ticket, and he went all the way down, as far down into the ship as he could possibly go, trying to flee the presence of the Lord. And that's where the verse ends. He paid the fare and went down into the ship to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. And that brings me to my final question. Does the word of the Lord still come to people today? Does the word of the Lord ever come to you? Are you expecting the word of the Lord to come to you? And if it does, what are you going to do about it? And then finally, if it has come to you, God has been speaking to you, God has been leading you, God has been directing you, kind of your own Nineveh, whatever that looks like. It doesn't have to be a place where you're going to, you know, call out the, the judgment of the Lord like Jonah has been called to do, but, but whatever it is that God's calling you to, are you going to go or are you going to flee? Because there is no in-between. There is no staying the same. Because it's not just to, to refuse to go, but even to fail to go is the same as fleeing the presence of the Lord. We've run out of time this morning. I can't tell you the whole story, but I've told it here before. I knew when I was 16 years old that God called me to ministry to do this. And then I ran from him. Actively fleed from the specific thing he called me to do for 10 years. Did I get eaten up by the belly of a, you know, in the belly of a, of a whale? I don't know. I worked retail for five years. Does that count? And there were some good things about it. Um, made some great friends, had some good times, made money. But it wasn't fulfilling. And uh, 
even here today, listen, as pastor of Christ Community Church, am I filling up the bank account? Nope. Been pastoring now with some of this group of people for 20 years. Christ Community Church now, I think this is our 16th year this year. Has it always been easy? Nope. Mm. Sometimes has it, has it hurt like crazy to follow what God told me to do? Yes. Has it been difficult for my family? You bet. Would I wish that I didn't follow what God told me to do? No way. I would rather, I would rather be where he, ha- he wants me to be, doing what he wants me to be doing, going in the direction that he wants me to be going. Because he didn't promise me it would be easy. He didn't promise me I would get rich. He didn't promise me that everything would go my way. He promised me that if I would be obedient, that he would never, ever leave me. And he's been true to his word. So let's take just a moment. Uh, Let me ask you to pray with me. That retail whale did roll up on the beach, as a matter of fact. And I just want you to look inside your own heart this morning. Has God been calling you to something? And where are you? Are you are you going? Are you arising? Saying yes? Then ask him to lead you, to to illuminate your path. Or have you been saying no? Maybe not actively fleeing in your mind, but just sort of trying to be apathetic. It doesn't work that way. To not obey God is to disobey. And disobedience leads us away from his presence every time. The good news is that no matter how many steps away from him you think you've walked, in my experience and experience of lots of other folks in this room probably, the distance to get back to his presence is pretty much just to turn around and take a step. The story of the prodigal son tells us that he's watching those who have strayed, and, and when they will begin their journey back home, he doesn't just hang around. He, he hits the road and runs down the road to greet them. And so maybe that's you this morning. And if that is you and you, you need to get back to what God has told you to do, then I want you to offer that to him this morning. Submit to him. Be obedient. Say yes. Speak to me, Lord. I will arise and I will go where you tell me to go. I will do what you tell me to do. And then finally this morning, there might be some here who are still not sure about this relationship with God. They've heard some of the things that we've said here or they've had experiences elsewhere. And God is calling you, but what he's calling you to do is is to go after him, to follow him, to even begin the journey. And so if that's you this morning and you know that God is speaking to you in that way, when we finish here this morning, 
I'm going to be hanging here around the, auto, the front of the auditorium. Come and speak to me. Let's have a conversation. And let's take an opportunity to see if maybe now is the moment that you're going to give your life to Christ and become a follower of Jesus because he's been speaking to you. And I leave you with this. God does indeed still speak to those who love him. And he does not call us to a life of comfort. He calls us to a life of service in the kingdom of God. And so, if you're kind of like, I don't really have anything to do. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I'm going to suggest it's because you're not listening. Because God has something for all of us to do, a direction to go, the next place for us to encounter. You have to be expecting him to speak. And then listen. Would you stand for closing prayer? Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he cause the light of his face to shine upon you. May he turn his countenance towards you and give you peace. In Jesus' name, amen.